Hello, everyone, and welcome to Honestly Booked. I'm your host, Ariel, on Instagram under at areyoureadytoread with four eyes. And I'm your host, Rachel, on Instagram under at paperbacks and sketchbooks. This is a conversational podcast devoted to books, all things books with no genre discrimination. We hope with this podcast, we will expand your TBR. To get updates on our show, you can follow us on Instagram at Honestly Booked and like us on Facebook. You can also follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts to help get our podcast out there. Hi, Rachel. Hi, Ariel. Welcome to episode 11. Yay. I'm very excited for this one. I always look forward to this episode every month since we started this podcast. This is our February challenge recap. So we'll be discussing the challenges that Ariel and I participated in the month of February and give a rundown of whether we completed the challenge, what books we read, let you guys know what the books were about all that fun stuff. My favorite thing about this, these challenges is that it kind of brings us out of our comfort zone with some books, you know, and it also opens my, it has opened my eyes to a lot of books that I would not have, um, would not have read. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. Like, especially like, for example, because we do the one decades challenge. That's like a lot of history for me. And I'm not really a huge historical fiction or nonfiction reader. That one in particular is making me sort of go out of my comfort zone but they all are so I've been discovering a lot of new authors and new books because of it heck yeah that's the whole point you know because reading of course there's always the types of books that you want to read like for example you probably like romances thrillers stuff like that but like when you branch out more and you see like different things it opens your eyes to something that you're like holy moly I did not think I would enjoy this you know like for example I think the other day you and I were talking and you had said something along the lines of I forget which book it was referencing but you were like I think I'm starting to kind of like more character driven novels and you know more deeper novels and I was like yes like I feel like half of those novels that you had read that were those deep ones you're referencing, you wouldn't have read if it weren't for, you know, um, uh, recommendations. You know what I mean? Exactly. And that's mostly in part of um, the challenges, again, like we've been doing. So very glad that we're participating in all of these. And they're just fun. I mean, like, I don't know about you, but... I love to get a challenge, try and figure out like which one I'm going to do because each of these challenges that we do, they are really cool. The Book Girls Guide is great with giving this long list in the email towards the end of the month with all the books from that category that they recommend. Now, of course, you can look it up and do it like your own references but um it helps me a lot because it like brings down the list a little bit for me and I can kind of pick from it and it's fun for me to read a book and check it off my list you know what I mean I definitely agree I I love the list right like otherwise like I I feel like I wouldn't know what to read I wouldn't know where to start so having recommendations helps Can you believe just like a few months ago, you were just free reading? Like, right. (laughs) You were just like, okay, this looks good. I'm going to pick this up and read it. Like now, you know, you've got a little bit of structure, which I love the structure to my reading. You know, I definitely plan my next reads. I'm not a mood reader, so it is what it is. Whatever I pick up or whatever's next on my shelf or list, I guess, um, is what I'm going to read. And I kind of like modify myself, you know. For that, like sometimes I'll jump from historical fiction to a thriller to regular fiction and I give myself that little like, you know, break in my brain. I'm like, okay, 
this is going to be historical fiction, so don't expect, you know, twists, don't expect turns. And then when a thriller comes, I'm like, okay, don't expect it to be deep. It's going to, you know, it's going to be just thrillery. (laughs) I definitely do that when I read. And I also am not, I used to kind of, but I don't anymore. I used to read multiple books at once, but now I'm kind of trying this new thing out where I'm like fully focused on a book and I feel like I'm reading faster because, you know, I just think about those one, one set of characters, that one plot line or multiple, if it's, you know, a book with multiple and that's helping me. Now those people out there, like your one friend (laughs) who can read like 12 (laughs) books at once, shout out to you. That's awesome. (laughs) My brain's not big enough for that. (laughs) Uh, no, the most I'll read at once is three books because even though I do enjoy having structure, like I like having my list of challenge books that I need to read. I like reading my book subscription box books, um, all that every month. I still also am sort of a mood reader. So like if I'm not totally into one I'll pick up another book that I'm more interested in or one that sounds like something that's a quick read agreed I'm just a little bit of both I will do now I lied a little bit if I've read like three terrible books in a row I will throw my list out the window for a minute and grab one of my books that I know like a you know what I mean like one of those authors that I'm like okay I know you're gonna have a good book just to get me back into like because sometimes when you read so many bad books in a row you you don't want to read that's so true like I'll just stare at the wall and I'll be like I don't want to pick anything up like I don't want to read and I hate that or I'll turn on like 90 day fiance and then I'll be stuck in that little hole of television for the rest of the night I love that show (laughs) (laughs) um you know what's funny though it also happens to me with good books if I read a really really good book like Man, I've and I've read a few of them lately. If I read a really, really good book, like five star top of the books, like, oh, this is so good. It also puts me in a little slump because I'm like, nothing can compare. You know, (laughs) I'm like, this next book is going to suck. And then I have like all this expectation and, you know, but enough about that. I'm curious on what your latest read was. Oh, my latest read was Reckless Girls by Rachel Hawkins. This was also our book club book. On Goodreads, it has a 3.59 star review. I've seen a lot of mixed reviews on this book. Like some people love it, some people hate it. But this book has that deserted, stranded, remote island sort of theme to it. And it's a very character-driven novel. Yes, and I do want to say real quick that it is not... It was marketed as a thriller, and I feel like that's maybe marketed incorrectly. There are thrillery aspects to it, but if you go into this book thinking and waiting for twists and turns, don't. Like, there's maybe two twists, and they come at the very end, and they're not even, like, huge. Well, I mean, I guess they kind of are. But, you know... It's more of like Rachel said, it's more of a character driven novel. So I feel like that's why a lot of people aren't liking this book as much as they are because they see Rachel Hawkins, they see Thriller, they know about her previous books, um, The Wife Upstairs and The Villa, which is her new one that I hated. And they're all thrillery. So, you know, they think that, but don't think that. Yes. So you just have to have a different mindset when you go into this book, which I went into this book completely blind. I didn't even read the synopsis, which is hilarious because it was my pick for book club this week. 
When Lux McAllister and her boyfriend Nico are hired to sail two women to a remote island in the South Pacific, it seems like the opportunity of a lifetime. Stuck in a dead-end job in Hawaii and longing to travel the world after a family tragedy, Lux is eager to climb on board the Susanna and set out on an adventure. She's also quick to bond with their passengers, college best friends, Brittany and Emma. But like Lux, they may have other reasons to be seeking an escape. Shimmering on the horizon after days at sea, Moreau Island is every bit the paradise the foursome expects, except a mysterious history of shipwrecks, cannibalism, and even rumors of murder. But what they don't expect is to discover another boat already anchored off Moreau's sandy beaches. The owners of the Azure Sky, Jake and Eliza, are a true golden couple. Gorgeous, laid back, and if their sleek catamaran and well-stocked bar are any indication, rich. Now a party of six, the new friends settle in to experience life on an exotic island and the serenity of being completely off the grid. Lux hasn't felt like she truly belonged anywhere in years, yet here on Moreau with these fellow free spirits, she finally has a sense of peace. But with the arrival of a skeevy stranger sailing alone in pursuit of a darker kind of good time, the balance of the group is disrupted. Soon cracks begin to emerge. It seems that Brittany and Emma haven't been completely honest with Lux about their paths, and perhaps not even with each other. And though Jake and Eliza seem like the perfect pair, the rocky history of their relationship begins to resurface, and their reasons for sailing to Moreau might not be as innocent as they first appeared. When it becomes clear that the group is even more cut off from civilization than they initially thought, it starts to feel like the island itself is closing in on them. And when one person goes missing and another turns up dead, Lux begins to wonder if any of them are going to make it off the island alive. I enjoyed this book. Again, I went into it blind. I did not even read the synopsis before I read it. I didn't know what I was expecting, but I was sort of expecting a more thrillery book because that's just what I assumed Rachel Hawkins wrote. But this one, it was more mystery to me. Like I wanted to know what the character's secrets were. Like I felt like there were a lot of secrets going on. Again, very character-driven. It jumped between the past, which was called the before in this book, and the now, the present. And it was great getting to know all the characters. Like, I felt like it helped me to understand their actions on the island a whole lot better. So what I liked most, because I read this book as well for our book club book, and I rated it really high. Um, What I liked most about the book was the fact that we got a deep backstory from each of the characters. Like, every single character you got a deep backstory from and not only that but you know they all had their own point of views and they all had they all brought something to the central story which I really like and I like when an author can do that and do that well and now I know you saw one of the twists coming but I didn't I was okay with it I was you know they were fine both twists were fine with me I did have some questions about some things that were like you know a little bit of those hmm is this this doesn't make sense kind of things, but I tried not to think too much into it and I rated it high because like I really just enjoyed the the ride of this book, kind of like you said, you know? Yeah. It was just, it was a fun read, especially getting to know all the characters, you know? Yes. I really did enjoy the journey that this book took me on. I only gave it four stars though because I didn't particularly enjoy the ending of the book. It just wasn't, I mean, I don't want to say it wasn't what I was expecting because I don't really know what I was expecting, but it's just like wasn't what I was hopeful for, I guess you could say. Well, I rated it five stars because I actually really, really liked it a lot. And if you liked this book, a few books that 
you would also enjoy would be The Golden Couple by Greer Hendricks and Sarah Pacannon, A Flicker in the Dark by Stacey Willingham, and The Paris Apartment by Lucy Foley. And I know especially The Paris Apartment because that one has lots of POVs as well. Point of views, if you like that. <laughs> the Paris Apartment, I didn't really enjoy that one. I haven't read that one yet, but um, I do know that a big complaint with a lot of people on that one is too many point of views, but um, I'm pretty good with that. Well, what was your latest read? My latest read, yet again, was another really good read. Absolutely loved it. This was a historical fiction, and it was called The German Wife by Kelly Rimmer. Now, I went into this not expecting it to be what it was, and I loved it. Now, this book made me feel like all the feels. It was such a beautiful read. I absolutely loved it. And it was about, I don't know if if you know this, but it was about Operation Paperclip, which is an actual real thing that happened in the United States back in the 1950s or around that time. It was, it was after World War II, basically, like right after World War II. And it was a real thing that happened. And basically what Operation Paperclip was, was the government here had taken German scientists that were like part of the SS and they offered them pardons for their part in the war to come to America and work on America's space program. So that's a real thing that happened. In this book, there's two different point of views. There's Sophie, who is the, um, Sophie is the wife of one of those scientists. His name is Jurgen. And then you have Lizzie, who's a hardworking farm girl whose brother was suffering from a lot of combat fatigue and mental illness. But so you basically have Lizzie and Sophie and you have not only their point of views, but you have point of views from 1930s for both of them, like pre-war. And then you have point of views of from them 1950s, which is the now. So you've got like four point of views, basically. So you have Sophie and Jurgen, like I said, and they went through a lot. They're German. They lived in Germany. And unfortunately, German uh, Jurgen, he had to sacrifice morally for the family security and be a part of the SS. So you're thinking, oh, he's this bad guy, blah, blah, blah. Well, now in the now, it's 20 years later in 1950. And he's one of those scientists that was allowed to come over. But you've got Lizzie, who has a brother who was in the war and got affected by the war. So she's like total anti-German. So, you know, there's like gossip and bitter rage and violence that spreads and tears apart Sophie's community and her family. The thing I liked about it most is that it doesn't make you sympathetic or empathetic towards the like bad people in Germany. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't, it doesn't do that. This book doesn't do that. It shows you like how hard and how they really made the things they made these people do. So it was such a beautifully written book. I absolutely loved it. Learning about, because I had no idea about Operation Paperclip. My husband actually had read a book about Operation Paperclip because he likes nonfiction. And he had told me about it before, but <laughs> I guess I just forgot about it. And when I was reading this book, just like a book that I had read previously that was Take My Hand by um, Dolan Perkins Valdez that was about a real thing that happened in America in the 1960s. This was a real thing that happened in America in the 1950s. So it's like, I love that part of historical fiction. Like I love when it's accurate. I love when it's something that really happened. And that is that right there is why I love historical fiction. 
I had quite a few quotes from this book in my review. Actually, I think this was one of the longest reviews I wrote <laughs> on Goodreads. I just wanted to share a couple quotes from the book. They don't like spoil anything. One of the quotes is, isn't a child just a child shaped by experience? How does a person learn not to hate when that hate has been imprinted upon them from such a young age? And then another quote is, we tell ourselves that we're only protecting our family, but our family is damaged by the decision to protect it. You're a part of something you hate, and I can see that it's killing you. I can't bury my head in the sand. Whatever he's involved in, I was a part of too. Oh, those are just such strong quotes. You know what I mean? I think that Kelly Rimmer, the author of this book, did such an amazing job of portraying two intricately woven timelines. That was The German Wife by Kelly Rimmer, and if you enjoyed that, there are quite a few books, you know, like... The Yellow Wife by Sadiqa Johnson that has to do with slavery. There is Take My Hand by Dolan Parkin Valdez that has to do with the forced sterilization back in the 1960s. There's plenty of books out there that have real history behind them. That sounds so good. I definitely want to start reading more historical fiction because for one of our challenge books, I read a really good historical fiction novel that like it just blew me away. Like it blew my mind that it was based on real events. Isn't that the best? And I think that people really get scared with historical fiction because they hear the word historical and they're like history, gross, ew, you know, but a lot of historical fiction is really the same as just regular women's fiction, but it's told in the past or has to do with something in the past. So it's like, I don't, I don't get turned away from it. It's like my favorite, my literal favorite. Like I will always pick up a historical fiction. I have read plenty that were done badly, but this one was definitely a good one. So if you're into that and you like a extremely well-researched book, The German Wife by Kelly Rimmer is great. I'm definitely going to add that to my TBR. It sounds so good. Yay. To break things up before I ask you what you're currently reading and you don't know what I'm going to do. No, this is a complete <laughs> surprise. <laughs> so we're going to do the accent challenge because I've seen it going around TikTok a lot lately and you're you're considered Midwest, right? Illinois? Yes. Yes. Illinois is in the Midwest. Well, I mean, or as my husband my husband would say Illinois. That's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm a California girl who was from the Midwest. So I'm just curious. But basically the accent challenge is there's a couple words that I want you to pronounce. I'm going to spell them out and you're going to have to pronounce it. And then I'm going to ask some questions and I want to know what word you use for that. The first word is A-U-N-T. How do you say that? Ant. Me too, ant. How do you say R-O-U-T-E? Route. Okay, not root? No, root. That just sounds wrong when you say root. I say route. <laughs> I say route too. How do you say T-H-E-A-T-E-R? Theater. Yeah, theater. I, I'm like, I'm spelling it in my head. I'm like, what is that word? <laughs> How do you say I-R-O-N? Iron. Okay, iron, same. How do you say C-A-R-A-M-E-L? Caramel. Caramel, me too. A lot of people say caramel. No, caramel, like when I read it in my head, it's weird because like I'll say caramel in my head, but when I say it out loud, I say caramel. How do you say P-E-C-A-N? Pecans. Oh, you got one different finally. What do you say? Pecan. Oh, I don't like saying pecan. Like pecan pie. I, I yeah, I say pecan, pecan pie. Okay, how do you say M-A-Y-O-N-N-A-I-S-E? That gross thing. Mayonnaise. <laughs> 
Wait, say that again. Mayonnaise. Okay, I just say mayonnaise. Like you don't say the O? I guess not. That's weird. Mayonnaise. Yeah, I put mayonnaise on that. No, you you have to say the O. Mayonnaise. But that sounds so weird to me. (laughs) How do you say G-I-F? I say GIF. Oh my god, no! <laughs> I think it's literally Jeff, and I say Jeff. That's so funny. I Jeff reminds me of the peanut butter. <laughs> <laughs> I think I literally looked it up once, and it's actually literally pronounced Jeff. Well, I refuse to say Jeff, so it's GIF all the way for me. What is a bubbly carbonated drink called? A soda. Oh, you guys call it soda too? Well, I you guys call it pop. I am in the minority in Chicago. Most people call it pop. I call it soda. So I call it soda too, but my husband, he calls it, he calls it soda now, but I think he doesn't, he doesn't notice, but he used to call it cola. In a lot of other countries though, a lot of people refer to all sodas as Coke or cola. Yeah. He'll refer to something, he'll like say like Mountain Dew or Sprite as Coke. Yeah. Yeah. That's like actually a thing. I know. I learned that in one of my um, Spanish classes, actually. I thought it was really interesting. Do you think you have an accent? I don't think I do, but a lot of people I've met that aren't from Chicago think that I do. I don't think you do either. I think you say some words a little bit different. Like you say that state that's above California really funny. Oregon. It's Oregon. (laughs) It's Oregon. (laughs) I mean, it's literally spelled like Oregon, but like it's Oregon. Like you say some words funny. Like I have one word that I can't say like at all. And my husband always makes fun of me for it. But other than that, I have... I feel like I have a valley girl accent, supposedly. I don't really hear it that much. Maybe it's because you're from the Midwest. It's like combined. Maybe because I do stress certain vowels differently, I guess. But um, yeah, I feel like I don't talk like how a lot of the people in California talk, how they have that like really slangy kind of talk. But I do something that a lot of Northern Californians do, which is not say my T's in things. That's something I learned. All right. Well, that was so much fun. I literally had no idea what to expect with this accent challenge. It was just written on our show notes. And I was like, what? Like, what is that? I know. (laughs) I wrote accent challenge. You just wrote what? (laughs) Like your little note back was what? And I was like, I'll explain. I promise. So that was fun. I really enjoyed that. But I have to know what you're currently reading. What I'm currently reading is called Aesthetica by Ali Robottom. And it was a, oh gosh, it was a November pick from Aardvark, which I didn't make in my box. So of course, you know me, I had to make sure I checked it out from the library, which I did. And it finally got here. It has a really funky, cool looking cover. And I'm a little bit nervous about it because it has to do with influencer an influencer, an Instagram influencer. And I'm like, I've had some really, I've been burned by some books about influencers and like social media and stuff before. So I am not really looking extreme forward to it, but, and it doesn't have super high ratings either or a lot of ratings either. It only has a little bit under 1800 ratings on Goodreads and it's set a 3.5, which is kind of low for a book. Basically it is, and it's a debut novel as well. So I am about 10% into it, barely even, barely even anywhere to know how it is. So I can't say if I like it or not yet. It's about a woman who was an Instagram celebrity at 19. Now she's 35 and she works behind the cosmetic counter at a black and white store, peddling anti-aging products to women seeking physical and spiritual transformation. She too is seeking rebirth. She's about to 
undergo a high-risk elective surgery called Aesthetica, which is a procedure that will reverse all her past plastic surgeries, returning her to her truer self, provided she survives. But on the eve of her surgery, her traumatic past resurfaces when she's asked to participate in the public takedown of her former manager slash boyfriend, who has rebranded himself as Woke in the post hashtag me too world with the hours tricking down to her life-threatening surgery she must confront the ugly truth about her experiences on and off the instagram grid i don't know yet like i said i'm not that far in but it does say that it has a lot of mental health things in there which you know i'm hoping that's always a hard topic and i you know you always hope that the author does it well and does it right and doesn't portray mental health as like something fun or, you know, like, oh, look, we're quirky. We have bipolar. You know, we'll see how it goes. If you liked that book, there are quite a few other books that you would like. Tell Me I'm an Artist by Chelsea Martin, NSFW by Isabel Kaplan, and Body High by John Lindsay that all kind of approach the same topics as well about Instagram and mental health. So that's what I'm currently reading. What are you currently reading, Rachel? I am still currently reading Beartown by Frederick Bachman. I'm about 30% in now. It's really good. I'm, I've just been so busy lately. I've been moving and it's just been, I mean, it hasn't been a nightmare, but it's like I moved like an hour, almost an hour away from where I used to live. So it's just a lot and I've been exhausted and tired beyond belief. So haven't had much time to sit down and actually read this one, but it's getting so good and I can't wait until I have just like endless free time to plow through this book. On Goodreads, it has a 4.29 star rating. People say Beartown is finished. A tiny community nestled deep in the forest, it is slowly losing ground to the ever-enroaching trees. But down by the lake stands an old ice rink, built generations ago by the working men who founded this town. And in that ice rink is the reason people in Beartown believe tomorrow will be better than today. Their junior ice hockey team is about to compete in the national semifinals, and they actually have a shot at winning. All the hopes and dreams of this place now rest on the shoulders of a handful of teenage boys. Beartown explores the hopes that bring a small community together, the secrets that tear it apart, and the courage it takes for an individual to go against the grain. In the story of a small forest town, Frederick Bachman has found the entire world. It's getting so good. It's really picking up. It's focusing more on the ice hockey semifinals now of the junior team. It's really good. Like, again, I never thought I would be interested in reading a book about a sport where the sport is like the sole focus of it. But again, this book is proving to be so much more than just about hockey. Like, it's about people and their feelings and what happens when this sport basically unites everyone and then tears them apart. And it's just, it's so good following all the stories of the people of this small town. I'm loving it. So I can't wait to finally be able to finish it. I love that. I've actually seen Beartown and it's two after books, the like next ones in the sequel, all over Bookstagram and very very good friends of mine have read Beartown and said it was good. So you'll have to let me know how it ends up being and if you think I would like it. Yeah, you know, you might actually like it because readers who um, read Beartown, they also enjoyed Mad Honey by Jodi Picoult and The Measure by Nikki Ehrlich. So Ooh. it might be up your alley. 
it might be up your alley. Awesome sauce. So jumping into our themed reads, as you guys know, we have three different themed reads. One of them has, you know, a couple different categories, but we have Mr. D reads, which this month in February was a book with your favorite color on the cover. We have Around the USA Reads. The USA Reads this month was a book based either in Arizona, Colorado, New Mexico, Utah, or Wyoming. We have the Global Reads, which this month was Western Europe. And the Decades Reading Challenge was the 1900s to the 1910s. And then last but not least, our 12 recommendations by 12 friends. So to start it off with the Mr. D reads, you cheated, but whatever, I'll let you go. <laughs> I did cheat. We both <laughs> we both had purple, which is our favorite color. And I chose Signal Fires by Danny Shapiro because I had heard a lot about it. It's a purple cover. It's, it's really pretty. Nice purple cover with, I guess it kind of looks blue now that I'm looking at it, but that's my other favorite color, so that's okay. And it has a black tree with like stars on it and that definitely is a good cover for the book because you know if you read it you'll know this book has really high ratings it has it's almost a four it's 3.99 on goodreads and i 100 disagree <laughs> um i ended up rating this book 1.5 i just did not it just did not uh uh-uh, didn't work for me so signal fires was about one night one fateful choice and a constellation of lives changed forever Signal Fires opens on a summer night in 1985. Three teenagers have been drinking. One of them gets behind the wheel of a car, and in an instant, everything on Division Street changes. Each of their lives, that of Ben Wilf, a young doctor who arrives on the scene, is shattered. For the Wilf family, their circumstances and the fatal accident will become the deepest secret that can never be spoken. On Division Street, time has moved on. When the Shankmans arrive, a young couple expecting a baby boy, it's as if the accident never happened. But when Waldo, the Shankman's brilliant, lovely son, who marvels at the beauty of the world and has a naive ability to find connections in everything, befriends Dr. Wilf, now retired and struggling with his wife's decline, past events come hurling back in ways no one could have ever foreseen. 230 pages, hardcover. It had all of the right ingredients. It just, I don't feel like it was done well. And I'm definitely an outlier on this one. Like, I, a lot of people loved this book. And the reason why I wanted to like this book so bad was because it was, a, it was character-driven stories. But something about it didn't work for me. And I'm not sure if it was the, the way that Danny Shapiro wrote the book, like her actual writing, or if it was like the jumping back and forth of timelines and confusion, which... I should like, right? You know, you hear me talk about that all the time, but this was so confusing. It would jump back and forth like mid, oh gosh, like literally mid paragraph. Like it would just be, you don't know where you are. Like, am I in the past? Am I in the future? Oh, it was so confusing. Honestly, there really was no plot to this book. It was just a bunch of like random jumping back and forth in this timeline. And now I get where she, what she was trying to do with this book. She was trying to take this one big thing and show how it affected all these lives, you know, but it just was, it didn't work for me. The writing was just extremely difficult to understand. And it felt kind of like a little bit of like the writing in tomorrow, tomorrow and tomorrow, where it was just like, she wanted to throw like big words and unnecessary sentences in that just did not need to be there. And 
the fact that it was just like randomly jumping timelines and like I didn't know who was talking and who was the narrator it just was too much for me I struggled with it and usually books take me especially a 220 page book would take me one day this took me like three or four days because I just kept putting it down and not wanting to pick it back up but yeah so I that was a disappointment for me but I mean hey it's gonna happen I've had some five already this month I've had plenty of five-star reads so it's okay to have (laughs) one (laughs) not good one in the mix but what was your Mr. D reads cheater yeah I know I did cheat I double dipped and I chose a book club book from February because I knew realistically I I would not get around to reading another book I chose notes on an execution by Danya Kukavka fantastic book I loved it it has a 4.13 star rating on goodreads Its cover is entirely purple with a locket on the front, which is very symbolic in the book if you have read it. Beautiful cover. I love it. It was also a nominee for Best Fiction of 2022 on Goodreads. This book is very interesting. So if you read it, you have to let us know because we both really loved it. This book obviously was about a serial killer named Ansel. He's in prison. He's on death row. And basically this book follows not only him but the women who were part of his life it followed lavender which was his mom it followed a detective and it also followed his sister-in-law and these were all significant women in his life and it was so interesting and so heart-wrenching to read their stories surrounding his life like basically um like the author's note at the end like it clarified a lot of this book for me so in the author's words this is a book about giving the women who are impacted negatively by a man in this case it was a serial killer a chance to exist beyond the men that hurt them which I thought is super awesome because most of the time, especially in the media, you're just getting like this man's story. Like if there are women victims involved or like there were women who have been impacted by this man, like you never hear their story. You never hear how they were feeling. So this this was a great, great book. So if you are interested in books like this that are shining light on people who have been impacted by I mean this is a fictional serial killer it's definitely an interesting one awesome so to jump on over to the book girls guide we did like we said the around the USA global in the 1900s so for my around the USA one I actually didn't get to this book but it's literally next on my list and I'm going to read it because it looks really good And it was actually a nominee for Best Fiction in 2019 when it came out. And that's The Gifted School by Bruce Holsinger. Set in the fictional town of Crystal, Colorado, The Gifted School is a novel that observes the drama within a community of friends and parents as good intentions and high ambitions collide in a pileup with long-held secrets and lies. Seen through the lens of four families who've been a part of one another's lives since their kids were born over a decade ago, the story reveals not only the lengths that some adults are willing to go to get ahead, but the effect on the children, siblings' relationships, marriages, and careers as simmering resentments come to a boil and long-buried secrets surface and detonate. So this looks really good. I'm super excited to get to this. If you liked this book, a lot of the other um, comparable books would be Emma Straub, This Time Tomorrow, and True Biz by Sarah Novick. What did you read for your Around the USA? 
For my Around the USA challenge, I read Happiness for Beginners by Catherine Center. This one I've been harping on a lot about because I, I loved it. It's not my favorite by her, but it was very, very good. It's the story about Helen who is basically taking a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity and going on this really, um, really interesting sort of a survival course through the remote wilderness in Wyoming. She's doing this on her own, but it just so happens that her brother's best friend and roommate ends up being there as well. And she finds him super annoying, but you know, it is a romance novel. So along the way, they do get to know each other a little bit. So you can guess what happens in the end. It's very good. It's a really great book about self-discovery as well and kind of learning like more about yourself and what you have to do in order to be your very best self, learning to love yourself and the situations that you find yourself in, always making the most of them. So again, classic Catherine Center, very wholesome, very heartwarming. I loved it. Great book as always. If you enjoyed Thank You for Listening by Julia Whalen, Nora Goes Off Script by Annabelle Monaghan, and Pleasant Day by Vera Jane Cook, you would most likely enjoy Happiness for Beginners. For the global challenge, I believe it is technically called the Book Voyage um, Around the World Book Girls Guide Challenge. This month, February, was Western Europe. So for this one, I chose the country of Sweden, and lucky for me, Beartown, the book I'm currently reading, just happens to be taking place in Sweden. So I was like, perfect. Love that. Although I did sort of choose that one on purpose because I had it on my shelf. <laughs> That's funny because I also picked a book in Sweden. <laughs> and my book was In Every Mirror, She's Black by Lola Akinmade Akerstrom. And oh my goodness, this was a 10 star read for me. Okay, five stars. But still, it was really, really good. It only has a 3.84 rating on Goodreads though, which is just crazy to me. But oh my gosh, this book was beautiful. This was, so this was such a beautiful story told of three different African women that were trying to make themselves and their lives in Sweden for different ways. So you have Kemi, I think that's how you would pronounce it. You have Kemi, she is the best marketing executive in all of America and she's living in Washington, D.C., but she was unhappy in her love life. She could never find what she wanted in a man. So when she's headhunted by a company from Sweden, by the CEO himself, she's brought to Sweden, and she just immediately feels like it's just not right for her. Like, not only is she the only black woman in all of Sweden, basically, it seems like, but it also seems kind of like they hired her and brought her on, under false pretenses. So she's dealing with that. And a quote from her section was, she feels as if Stockholm tricked her, seduced her with its beauty, and then turned into an ugly monster in front of her. And then you have Brittany Ray. Now, Brittany is a former model turned flight attendant who's just minding her business, living with her long-term boyfriend, and is slightly unhappy when an extremely wealthy man joins one of her flights and develops an extreme and possibly obsessive, obsessive desire for her. She isn't quite sure if this obsession is healthy or if it's even what she wants. And is she willing to change her whole life and move to Sweden with him? A quote from her section that I got was, This rash pursuit she'd indulged in with Johnny had left her exposed and vulnerable, a state she didn't want to be in right now. 
And then last but not least, you have Muna. Now, Muna is a Somali immigrant seeking asylum in Sweden, and she's waiting for her citizenship to pass. She deals with the hardship every day of not having a family. She's just struggling to fit in as a Somali woman in Sweden. She gets a job cleaning toilets, but is she happy? The funny thing is that all three of these women are connected because that Johnny that was chasing Brittany Ray is the CEO of the company that Kemi works for that came to recruit her. And it's also the same company that Muna cleans toilets at. So she did, the author did such an amazing job of writing three separate, but beautiful stories from three strong, very lost women. (laughs) I loved every second of this book. I can't even lie. Like from the first page, I was just, I was just blown away. So hats off to Lola Akin, to Lola Akimade Akerstrom, because this book was amazing. And that was my global pick for our book girl's guide. Yay. I'm glad you had a really good read for that one. The next one that I'm super excited to talk about was the decades challenge also by the book girl's guide. And this one was the 1900s to the 1910s. The book that I chose was orphans of the storm by Celia Imrie. This was a historical fiction that took place around the time where the Titanic had sailed. So this takes place basically from 1911 to about 1912. And this one starts out in Nice, France in 1911. After three years of marriage, Marcella Nevertil has finally had enough. Her husband, Michael, an ambitious tailor, may have charmed her during their courtship, but their few years of marriage have revealed a cruel and controlling streak. The 21-year-old mother of two is determined to get a divorce. But while awaiting the judge's decision on the custody of their children, Michael receives news that changes everything. Meanwhile, fun-loving New York socialite Margaret Hayes is touring Europe with some friends. Restless, she resolves to head home aboard the most celebrated steamer in the world. But as the ship sets sail for America, carrying two infants bearing false names, The paths of Marcella, Michael, and Margaret cross, and nothing will ever be the same again. So this book, I gave a five-star rating, and that was after reading the research notes in the back of the book. This one was based on the true story of Michael Navratil. His actual name was Michel, but Michael Navratil, real-life person, by the way, in 1912, Um, who boarded the Titanic with his children. And it also has the character of Michel Marcel Navratil, who's his child, who was actually the last, like he recently died, but he was the last male survivor of the Titanic sinking. So I thought that was super awesome to learn about their actual real life story. And obviously it's still historical fiction because the author did fill in like what she thought like a human reaction would be to a situation that had happened, but they actually had Marcella and Michael's divorce papers that they found in Nice, France doing their research. They had all the articles from the Titanic sinking that they sort of based this story off of. But again, this story was based on mostly fact, which blew my mind. And I was like, okay, five stars, hands down. So, so good. I feel like I actually learned so much from this book. 
And that was Orphans of the Storm by Celia Imrie. Ariel, what was your Decades Challenge book? My Decade Challenge book was The Magnolia Palace by Fiona Davis, which was set in actually two different timelines. There was one timeline set in 1910 and one timeline set in 1960. I didn't love it. I give it three stars, but it was a nominee for best historical fiction in 2022. And I didn't, I didn't hate it. It was three stars, like I said, so it's around mid for me. But basically, there was two separate point of views. You have Lillian, who's a model who's been recently put under a big scandal, and she takes a job as a personal assistant to try and like get out of the shame. And then you have 1960s Veronica, who's also an aspiring model, and she's just trying to make her way in the modeling world, and she gets locked in this mansion, and it just happens to be the same mansion that Lillian used to work in, and Veronica is stuck in there for a couple days, so she tries, she finds these clues and notes, things, and she's trying to solve this decades-long murder, And there was a lot of art history included in this, which was great to learn about. There was a little bit of romance. There was a lot of suspense. And there was just a lot of good character building. But I just wasn't the biggest fan. It took me a little bit too long to get into. And it didn't really start to pick up pace, really, until about like 60%. That was The Magnolia Palace by Fiona Davis. And if you enjoyed that book, there's The Good Left Undone by Adriana Trigiani and The Magnificent Lives of Marjorie Post by Allison Pataki. Now, Fiona Davis also has some really good books out as well, like The Lions of Fifth Avenue, The Chelsea Girls, The Dollhouse, The Masterpiece. These are all historical fiction books. And although I didn't like this one, I'm definitely going to read some of her other books because I feel like this one just didn't hit for me. Something. I was missing and lacking something. (laughs) That's okay. Not everyone has a win with their challenge books, but... Our next one is the 12 books by 12 friends. So for this challenge, it's um, an Instagram challenge and 12 of your Instagram friends basically just had to recommend a book you read for the month. So hence the 12. So we read one book a month recommended by a friend on Instagram. So this month was The Silent Woman by Minka Kent for me. This one was recommended by our friend Chelsea at This Is Just the Prologue. She's awesome. And I actually really liked this book. It was your basic popcorn thriller. Um, And some parts of it, I was like, mm, can that really happen? Is that really possible? But I still gave it four stars because I enjoyed the ride. I enjoyed the story. I thought it was really intriguing and I just had to know what was happening. So newlywed Jade Westmore has finally found her forever and husband Wells, a charming, successful and recently divorced architect. Only there's one caveat behind the gates of their Elysian estate hidden from street view in the caretaker's cottage lives Wells's first wife, Sylvie. Three years ago, the original Mrs. Westmore suffered an unfortunate accident and hasn't uttered a sound since. Not a physician, psychologist, or world-renowned specialist has been able to elicit so much as a word from the silent woman. Until now. On an ordinary Tuesday while Wells was away, despite instructions to never disturb the fragile woman, Jade visited her isolated predecessor bearing a peace offering, a bouquet of white lilies. Only she wasn't expecting Sylvie to have something for her as well. A slip of torn notebook paper with a single word scrawled in shaky black ink. That word, run. 
fantastic book. Again, it wasn't like the most mind-blowing book that I've ever read, but I was hooked right off the bat. I had to know what was happening to Sylvie and what had happened to her. So this was a great psychological thriller, great popcorn thriller. If you enjoy popcorns and you've read other Minka Kent books, like this one is is so good. I loved it. My mind was spinning. Like I had no idea what was happening, but I loved it. And it wasn't in a bad way either. I've read a few Minka Kens and she's actually, I think I have all of her books on my shelf, like physical shelf, but I haven't read them all yet. So she's great. She does a really good job. And what was your 12 by 12 challenge book this month? So my 12 by 12 was also a popcorn thriller and it was called Amen Maxine by Faith Gardner. This has a 4.25, 4.25 rating on Goodreads, but it only has 500 ratings. So I rated this uh, two stars. I didn't like it. It didn't work for me. So it was just a little bit too, it was a little bit too weird. Like it was executed poorly. It had so much, it it held so much promise. Oh my God, I can't speak. It held so much promise, but it was just executed poorly. And it basically to just wrap it up, it was an unstable mother that turned to a robot AI assistant who became her best friend and told her that her husband's going to kill her. Like that's basically like, that's all the synopsis is too. So it sounds interesting, right? But There was just a lot of like plot holes, a lot of things that didn't make sense. The ending was so ridiculous. You had to like completely suspend all disbelief to even imagine it could happen. The fact I gave it two stars was extremely generous, but hey, I'm still going to tell you guys what it's about. So welcome to Silicon Valley, where the weather's perfect, the income's high, and Rowena Snyder is miserable. She's from New York. She moved into her husband Jacob's childhood home with their new baby, but suburbia isn't her cup of tea, and she's got serious anxiety and depression to boot. Jacob, who's worried about their marriage, scores a new product currently in beta testing from his high-tech job, Maxine, a digital friend, that bonds with an individual by continually gathering their personal information and data. Along with functioning like an upscale digital assistant, she also has an advice and prediction mode that have shown promise for patients with mental health issues. To Rowena's shock, the device turns out to be not just helpful, but eerily accurate, predicting events even before they occur. It's a godsend. Until Maxine offers a series of increasingly bone-chilling predictions that will change Rowena's life forever. Who do you trust more? Your mind, your man, or your machine? So like, it sounds so good, right? That sounds very interesting. Yeah, it was. And you know what? It has really high ratings on here. So maybe it was just me, but I just felt like there was too much, too many plot holes and too many questions and Oh, it was just too much. So that was Amen Maxine by Faith Gardner. And this was just a typical popcorn thriller kind of thing. So if you like this kind of book, you'd probably like a Kirsten Modlin or a Daniel Hurst or maybe even a Frieda McFadden. That was our challenges, which it looks like we pretty much got to all of them, except for I didn't get to one. And I think you were like currently reading one of them. feel like we did pretty good. So did you get to your TBR knockdown? And what is it? I did not get to my TBR knockdown. My TBR knockdown was Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabriel Zevin. I know you read this one and you were pretty iffy about it. 
I don't think you enjoyed it that much, if I'm remembering correctly. Correct. But this one on Goodreads, it has a 4.29 star review. And I actually added it to my TBR because I saw it was um, a book of the month, book of the year sort of thing. So book of the month is the subscription box. And it was a really popular book there. And this book is also all over Instagram. So I was like, well, maybe I'll try it out, see what the hype is, because as you know by now, I just have to understand the hype behind all these super popular books that keep showing up on my feed. So the synopsis for this book is on a bitter cold day in the December of his junior year at Harvard, Sam Masser exits a subway car and sees amid the hordes of people waiting on the platform, Sadie Green. He calls her name. For a moment, she pretends she hasn't heard him. But then she turns and a game begins, a legendary collaboration that will launch them to stardom. These friends, intimate since childhood, borrow money, beg favors, and before even graduating college, they have created their first blockbuster, Ichigo. Overnight, the world is theirs. Not even 25 years old, Sam and Sadie are brilliant, successful, and rich, but these qualities won't protect them from their own creative ambitions or the betrayals of their hearts. You know, I never actually read the synopsis of this book before, believe it or not. I mostly just add things blindly to my TBR. I don't really look at what they're about. Like if it's a trending <laughs> book on Book Talk or Me Bookstagram, too. I'll just add it. And then when I actually do go to it and read the synopsis, like I did just now, I'm like, hmm, maybe I'll take that off my TBR. I do want to say though, this book has... This book has such a beautiful cover. Like, I do have to say it that. does. The cover also drew me to it because I have to know, like, what's inside if the cover is so gorgeous. But I don't know if I'll ever get to this one anytime soon. But I actually did check it out on Libby, which is a library ebook app. And I had the intention of reading it. I just didn't get to it. But Ariel, did you get to your TBR knockdown? So I started one of my TBR knockdowns, which was, I think I discussed it on the show a couple episodes ago, Raven Lane. It was the one with the like neighborhood, something happened in the neighborhood and all the people have um, secrets going on and something happened. So that was one that I started on Kindle. I'm super excited for it, but I have not gotten to it to like finish it yet. But my next TBR knockdown is Gone by Leona Deacon. And this has 3.86 stars on Goodreads with 2000 ratings. It says four strangers are missing. Left at their last known locations are birthday cards that read, your gift is the game. Dare to play? The police aren't worried. It's just a game. But the families are frantic. As psychologist and private detective Dr. Augusta Bloom delves into the lives of the missing people, she finds something that binds them all. And that something makes them very dangerous indeed. As more disappearances are reported and new birthday cards are uncovered, Dr. Bloom races to unravel the mystery and find the missing people. But what if this time they are the ones she should fear? This looks really good. And I'm super excited to get to it. And hopefully I get to it soon. Other than our TBR knockdowns, we also have the Honey, I Shrunk the Arcs. Did you get to any of your advanced reader copies or do you have any on your shelf right now? I have a few on my shelf. I haven't gotten to read any of them recently, but the one that I'm most excited for is Hello Stranger by Katherine Center. That's going to be her newest release in July. It was a ready to read one on NetGalley. 
So I I have it downloaded on my Kindle. I just need to sit down and read it because I bet I'm going to blow through it like I did with The Bodyguard. Like I read that in one day. I'm very, very, very excited to get to that one. Are there any that you're excited about or any that you got to recently? I'm excited about all of mine. I have some really good, I have some really good ones from authors that I have read before. So I'm excited for mine. I haven't added any whoop whoop. And I still have those three from last time. So that's good. Sounds like we're doing pretty good in the arc department. I mean, obviously we're not reading them, but we have some that we're super excited about. So that's something at least. But this week I didn't add anything to my shelves. I didn't um, add anything to my TBR. I didn't add anything to my net galley. But did you add anything to any of your shelves? So I did. I added a book called Strange Sally Diamond by Liz Nugent, who I've read one of her books before. And it looks really good. It's got really high ratings already. And it currently is on giveaway right now. So I enter that giveaway. And then as you know, Goodreads adds it to your TBR. But Liz Nugent writes to me like Louise Canlish and Lisa Jewell, which are also like whew, some really good authors. So I'm excited for this. It it looks really good. It's got like, it looks wickedly dark, twisted. It's, you know, woman confronting her past. So I'm definitely looking forward to that one. But you know, I'll get to that 10 years from now. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any library books currently out? I don't. I have one that I need to return though. That goes to my old library. We'll get there eventually. <laughs> That's funny. I actually have three out at the moment. Other than Aesthetica, which I'm going to, you know, is the library book. Um, I have Last One Alive, which was another Amber Cowie book, which is the same author as Raven Lane. I have Last Invitation by Darby Kane, which I've read one of her books before. And I have Crimson Summer, which is the second book in a series of a book that I had just recently read. So I have three out at the moment. Um, I have a bunch on hold that are all like I'm like 78th 88th on the list so I'll those will get to me eventually (laughs) are there any books that are on your like radar that you know are coming out anytime soon or you're looking forward to well there's only one really that I've really been wanting to read um it's a little bit of an older book it's called by a thread by Lucy score and this one has been all over bookstagram lately it's not her newest book this one was published in 2020 but i keep seeing so many book accounts posting this one and i think it's because it has such an aesthetically pleasing cover it's like all pink um and there's a black dress on the front and by a thread is written in this like sort of like loopy pink font um it's very very pretty but it's like your typical romance novel like i heard it has to do with like a boss and a worker and it's also like grumpy sunshine maybe not my my favorite tropes in there but again it's one of those books where I need to know the hype and I also haven't read a Lucy score book yet so I really want to get to know why everyone is obsessed with her books definitely let me know I have one book on my radar and that's the second book to in every mirror she's black it doesn't come out till October which is also my birthday month so I'm super excited I've already pre-ordered it ah I just know it's going to be good. And I believe from what I was looking at that it's told from possibly the same three girls, maybe even, you know, one or two different ones, but I'm definitely looking forward to getting back into that, you know, life with them. That was 
our episode, our challenges episode. And I hope that, you know, if any of you want to participate in these challenges with us as well, definitely DM us or let us know and we can send you, you know, the links to it to participate in with us as well. So do you know what next month's challenges are, Rachel? I don't think I've looked it up yet. Next month. So the month of March uh, for Mr. D. Reads is a book with disability representation. For the Book Girls Guide Read Around the USA Challenge, it is a book set in Alabama, Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, or Tennessee. For the Book Voyage, which is the Read Around the World Book Girls Guide Challenge, it is Africa. And the Decades Reading Challenge by the Book Girls Guide. The month of March is the 1920s. Oh, I am super excited for some of those. And I know some really good books I'm going to pick for each of those. So let's get to it. I'm super excited. And we will see you guys next week for the next episode, which is, drumroll please, memoirs and nonfiction books. And we are going to have an author spotlight featuring Eden Robinson. They're going to be coming on the show to kind of give you a sense of what it's like being an indie author so i'm excited for that one me too and as always everyone thank you for being here thank you for listening thank you for joining us and happy reading happy reading (laughs) 